the intersection of success and spirituality podcast, episode number 125 with the CEO of Adarga Entertainment Group, Alex Davila. Young professionals with special needs, children. My kid might not be able to have a conversation with me, but at night when we pray, that's where we really connect. So to me, that's been something really powerful because if that's our biggest connection and direct connection with God, that's my biggest connection with my kid that has a hard time with communication. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Intersection of Success and Spirituality podcast where goals of high performers and achievers with their spiritual life. And my name is Joshua Galds, and I'm your host. And as always, it is an incredible honor, joy, and privilege to join you today. Thanks for tuning in. Way back when, in one of the very first interviews of the show, we had Henry Alonzo, the founder of Adarga Entertainment Group, in episode number 12 of the show and the company since then has grown. During that interview, Henry was the CEO of the company and he continues to be active with Adarga Entertainment Group. But since then, he has passed the baton to an incredible person that many of you will be meeting today for the first time. Adarga Entertainment Group, so you know, assists independent artists with a number of important services behind the scenes. Artists that have gone to chart in the Billboard charts, uh, received Latin Grammy nominations and awards, Dove Awards, and even Grammy nominations and awards. And today, we interview Alex Davila. She is the new CEO of Adargan Entertainment Group, and we talk about glass ceilings, how her parents' painful divorce cultivated some skills that she uses in her professional life today, the lessons she has learned from Henry, as well as her passion for young professionals with special needs children. This is an insightful conversation that I am so glad you have chosen to listen today and join us today. With us today, Alex Davila. It's so, so exciting to have you. Uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you, Josh. Appreciate this time. There's so much things you guys are working on behind the scenes, and I can imagine there's so much that you guys are doing as of late. Uh, but what is it that has you most excited lately? Um, I Well, first off, I'm really excited on this new venture. I just got appointed CEO of Adarga Entertainment Group. It's a company out of LA, and we provide independent artists with record label services. And we do marketing and consulting in the entertainment industry and music. So I've been really excited to take on that role. Um, Henry Alonzo, my colleague and partner at Adarga, he um, had been leading the company for 11 years, and he's still part of the company, but he's growing a different aspect that's really important to the music industry, which is publishing, um, which there's a big craze because that's how music is making and generating revenue. So he's really focusing on that part of the company. And I'm focusing on overall big picture of the company and day to day um, running it with our team. So as the team is growing and I'm growing in my career, I'm finishing my master's in music entrepreneurship. So that's something 
that I'm excited about. I'm going to APU. I, I think you went to APU also, mm-hmm. right? Jeff? Yep. I'm an alumni from there too as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's exciting. That's, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff. Uh, but one thing before we actually started, so before we actually started, you were telling me a little bit of your story of how you began with Adarga. And for those that are probably, maybe there's, there's uh, musicians, maybe there's clients, maybe there's people that might know you and might have heard the news that you're the CEO now, but they don't know the story at all of how you began. So I think it's a very interesting story. So can you tell us a little bit about like just how you started with Adarga? Sure. So in 2011, 2012, I was looking for a consultant myself because I was managing a band um, then. And I had a glimpse of public relations because I had done PR for another company, but I had never worked with a music ministry. So I was looking for guidance and I found Henry in LA. And it's a really funny story because I had written to a lot of people and I hadn't gotten any phone calls back. So one day I get a phone call and it's Henry and he's like, hey, I got your inquiry. And I was like, I didn't send an inquiry. Maybe I did. I think I just sent so many that I forgot who. And he was like, no, 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 you did. And I have it right here. And are you interested? And to this day, we kind of can't identify who really contacted first. But he was like, I... He contacted me and I even asked him, are you sure you work with independent artists? He's like, yes, I work with independent artists. It was so funny. We still laugh about it today because I was so weary. You know, I was like, are you trying to sell me something that I don't want? Are you trying to? And I I understand it now because when I talk to a lot of artists, artists are weary. You know, they go through so many things and they're not sure if somebody's legitimate or where are they coming from or why they're being contacted. Um, so when you're making such a big effort to contact other people. So before I started working at Adarga, I were, I was on the other end where I was being consulted by Henry and I went through that process and me and that band, we worked together for a year and we worked with Henry that year. So that was a pretty cool process. And then later on, I transitioned to start working with Adarga officially after that year. Mm, That's, that's amazing. 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 So you're now officially the CEO of Adarga. And in a, in a world where we, we constantly hear about glass ceilings, we hear about uh, maybe the obstacles that women have to face uh, to, to be in, in positions of leadership. Um, just wondering, how, how, is it, how has your experience been being a woman and now a CEO of such an influential company? Well, I think I want to start off with that I feel empowered by both my colleague and my husband. I think that has been a really key part where I felt that they believe in me. And that's really been a big part of helping me just really kind of learn how to better my weaknesses and learn to embrace the things that God has blessed me with and really kind of run with those gifts in leadership and being in a boardroom or sitting down and speaking with somebody that maybe has been in the music industry for 20 years. It can be intimidating to sit down next to the PR person from Beyonce um, in some board that I'm a part of and or maybe, um, you know, with other secular and talking about Christian music and trying to be that bridge. And so that's definitely been a process. And I'm not necessarily, I don't love the stage and I don't love public speaking. I do um, very much enjoy that one-to-one and, and I don't mind sitting in a room of two or three people, but when it starts to get a boardroom of 10, 15 people and we're talking about projects, sometimes that had been one of my really 
difficult things that I have been working through. And I feel that my colleague Henry and, and other people really have helped me grow in that sense from five years ago to now is a huge difference. But being a woman can can be difficult. And I think in the church, it, it can be hard sometimes depending on the track of life of, of where other people come from. They might not feel comfortable at first sitting down um, in the room with me and, and speaking. And um, they want to know where's the man that they're going to talk to. Um, and that's happened to me many times. And I take it with, I really... Instead of getting angry about it or making me feel uncomfortable, I try to understand where each person comes from and their background and maybe try to kind of show them that as a woman, I'm also a professional and I want to sit down and have a professional conversation and I'm not there to make them feel uncomfortable. And I think I've also taught other people that they can feel comfortable working with me. Um, so that's been a, a process in its own. And I hope I say that not with making feel anybody feel uncomfortable or that I'm being judgmental, but that's personally some things that I have experienced. But instead of taking it in a way where I feel, oh, um, minimize, I'm like, okay, Lord, you put me in this position so I can also teach others that just because I'm a young woman, I'm a Latina, I'm a, I am working hard to be educated. I'm working hard to be an equal with them and to treat them also with respect. So I think it's, it's definitely been a journey and a process. It's hard to be a woman in music. Um, and it's been great because when I've been personally in a boardroom with Henry, he has given me the space to speak first many times or has directed a lot of questions to me. And I know he does that with a purpose to help whoever we're with, if that person seems uncomfortable, for them to understand that we're a team and it's not just that I'm there to assist. Because it's funny, I, I get asked all the time if I'm his assistant, people automatically assume because I'm a woman that I'm most likely his assistant. So um, I take that with a grain of salt. That's not a problem to be an assistant. I've been a, an assistant to a CEO before and we work very, very hard. But I hope that people stop assuming one day that initially that the woman is the assistant or, you know, the second hand and that, you know, we get appointed also to, to lead. Mm, mm. So you're right here. Uh, you're in a place where you're, you're empowered, you have a voice. Uh, but here, here on the show, we often talk about our guest's childhood. And, and if we were to go back all the way in history, um, how did your upbringing form you, affect you to become the woman that you are today? Well, I come from a home with three girls. So um, we're all women. I'm the youngest. And I would say my dad is pretty progressive. And my grandmother was also very progressive. She was, she's from, my family's from Puerto Rico. And I remember my grandma, she was an entrepreneur. She had different businesses and she was the one that led those things. Um, she had like a florist and she had an event company and she worked for the government for a little while in Puerto Rico. And she just did uh, many things. Um, and she inspired a lot of a lot of what um, I've done and just little things like I remember in Puerto Rico, it's super hot. So people did not have carpet. But my grandma was like one of the first people to have carpet because it came out and it was trendy. And like she would drive my grandfather instead of my grandfather driving her and things like that. It was it was really cool. Just she just always wanted to kind of not go the status quo. So I always thought that was really cool of her in her time. She was born in the 1930s. So that was a kind of an interesting um, model that I had through my grandmother. And my, gr my dad and my mom always told me that I was equal to all people. Like not, nobody was better. 
and I wasn't better, but just to always treat people equally in a loving way, no matter the status, um, educationally, financially. And my parents always wanted us to really try our best and do our best. My mom, um, she only has an eighth grade education, um, and she really wanted us to really um, work hard to be able to learn both languages and to go to school and to just um, she always really believed in me and, and empowered me to, to believe in myself. So I think that was a really amazing part of childhood. And, hmm. and I think another aspect that became really difficult is my parents got divorced when I was 11. So even though that was a difficult time because I didn't have two parents in the home, I really, that was a spiritual time for me because I really knew God was with me. And that's the time that I actually started going to church. I was 11. The first time I really started congregating and being in a community of faith when my parents got divorced. And the church really was a huge part of healing for me. And even though my mom didn't go to church, my pastor was there and looking over me and and just kind of in that process. So, you know, my upbringing was Nothing super crazy tragic, but it, it was in the sense of I felt empowered by my parents, but at the same time as their separation came, I feel like it helped me to just to take the good from the bad. My parents don't speak. They, you know, they don't have a relationship and I had to be a good communicator and I was always really honest with both of my parents and I, because I, I had the opportunity to be dishonest because they didn't speak to each other. But for whatever reason, I always felt pulled to really give my parents the, the right story. And I was literally communicating between both of them. So I felt like I was doing PR, you know, and trying to keep the peace between, you know, relaying information. So I know that's not the most ideal or positive way of upbringing a child. I would never want to put my child in that position. But I feel in a way that really helped me to grow in communication and to, I look at it now and I'm like, well, you know, I have to take some positive things from, from those moments that were difficult. And I feel like God was preparing me to do that now. Like now I'm constantly negotiating and I am that middle person in conversations many times. And I feel like that started with my parents at a young age. That's fascinating. That's fascinating how sometimes out of the worst parts of life, there's a redemptive arc of what God can do. And it's great to, to hear that in your story. Uh, one of the very first episodes we ever, ever had on the show is actually with Henry. And uh, he's still part of Adarga, as you were mentioning. But right now in, in this period of transition and knowing that transitions are never easy, uh, you talked earlier about how he's been intentional about giving you a voice. But in, uh, I'm wondering, in what other ways has Henry and his leadership kind of laid the groundwork for you to successfully take the baton and lead the company into the next phase? Because, and, and also knowing that I think it's probably in general uh, very hard for, for executives to kind of let go of that. Like, in what ways, uh, what do you think uh, he's done well in midst of all of this process? I think that one of the really positive things is whenever there's an opportunity that comes up for the company, he doesn't necessarily always take it for himself to do. He identifies somebody in the company that has that strength and allows them to do that. And I think that's been a really good thing because he sometimes sees further than things that we see in ourselves. So he, there's been times where he's like, Alex, you can do it. Are you, are you up for that? Can you take this meeting or can you take this event or the project? And sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've never done that particularly. And 
And I feel like that's really amazing because many times in a small company, a CEO will be always the face or the one that's always leading each project um, when you're talking about a smaller company. But that's not necessarily been the case with Henry. And I think that's why it's allowed for a transition for a new CEO, because he hasn't always been the one doing every single lead project. So there's times where I'm leading a project and then I have team members and he's a part of the project. And there's times where he's leading or somebody else is leading. And we take turns in that leadership role. And I think that really helps to kind of build a foundation where it's not just one person. And I think that's where sometimes companies can suffer if only one person is the one that's always leading. It takes away from perspective, I think creativity and how to manage maybe shifting roles. That's good. Going on to something else. So you're passionate about what you do with artist with uh, the different clients with everything you all do with the darga but another thing that you're very very passionate about that's close to your heart is uh, you're very passionate about the community with autism as well as speaking to young professionals that have a child with special needs and can you tell us a little bit more about that well um i'm a mom so i'm a i'm i just turned 30 um, in 2018 in November. So I've only been 30 for a few months and I became a young mom, uh, seven years ago. I have a son named Josiah. We have one son, um, right now, my husband, Gabriel and I, and it was a very interesting journey because I remember being six months pregnant and waking up and crying my eyes out. And I don't know why my husband is like, you know, are you okay? And I was like, I just feel like something is wrong, but I don't know what it is. And we went to the doctor and the doctor's like, nothing is wrong. Your baby is fine. You're healthy. You're young. You're 23 years old. And I just felt in my heart like God was preparing me. Um, and he was, he was starting healing before I even went through the whole process um, of finding out Josiah was on the spectrum. So when Josiah was six months old, you know, he still wasn't saying mom or dad. He was babbling, and but he was doing something that's called scripting. Scripting is when you repeat or memorize a movie or a show. He could script, but he couldn't have a conversation or be able to really exchange meaningful information. So I, I started to worry, and, and we started to see some doctors. And some of the doctors you know, we're like, no, it's too soon to tell, you know, don't worry about it. And I just wasn't um, at peace about it. And actually, I went to LA with Josiah, he was about a year and a half. And a good friend of mine was is a, is a therapist. And she was looking at Josiah. And he was like, she told me she's like, I think that you should get him checked. So I went and when we got back, I, I checked and um, we went to see different doctors and they told me, you know what, we, we can't really tell um, if he's on the spectrum, but we can start doing therapy. So at two years old, you know, we started doing speech therapy and we started going through the whole process, not knowing if he was on the spectrum or not. But to, to cut the story short, he's, he's seven now and he is literally been, he is a blessing. You know, there's a lot of challenges and having a child with special needs. And one of the passions that I, I really have with a, a young person that might have a child with special needs is life doesn't stop. Sometimes you feel paralyzed because 
there's a communication issue. You know, sometimes you feel that your child might have a tantrum at the mall or, you know, you can't go anywhere. You know, there's this fear of judgment. There's a fear even to go to church because is, is your child going to lose control? And I think we live in a, in a, in a world where we always want to have control. And that whole aspect when they say, you know, God says, you need to leave that control to me. You, you really need to surrender and have faith in, and with Josiah, we've done that. We, it's been the, one of the most liberating things because I feel like we did suffer and we did grieve. We grieved the sense of we don't have control over my son's life and we might not be able to plan out um, what's going to happen five years from now, but we can live the day to day and enjoy all of his just little things. Like when he says a sentence, we, you know, we celebrate or like today I went to school and the teacher's like, he's such a joy just to hear that somebody thinks my son is a joy with things that maybe society says are limitations, but kids on the spectrum are supposed to not love touch and are not supposed to be emotional, but Josiah is so compassionate and he is so loving and he feels like if you are sad, he'll ask you what's wrong and why are you sad? And he's so empathetic. It's amazing. And that's not supposed to be on paper. Kids on the spectrum, that's not what they're supposed to be like. And doctors can't tell me why he is. And, and it really makes them intrigued. On, and, and I feel like that has a lot to do with his upbringing and how we are with him and, and a faith component, because it, it, this is an interesting part that I really love about Josiah is I'll ask him about his day and he'll just repeat to me, oh, mom, I had a good day. Because I'll be like, did you have a good day? And he doesn't really answer me, answer questions properly. But at night when we pray, that's where I find out what his day was. Like if he loved something or if something happened to him, for whatever reason, when he goes to God in prayer at night, he lists all the things he loves and or all the things that he he didn't like. Or, or maybe if he did something wrong that day, he'll say, and for the for the tablet I shouldn't have touched. He's really funny. Like his prayers <laughs> are amazing. And I'm like, wow, that's power of prayer that my kid might not be able to have a conversation with me, but at night when we pray, that's where we really connect. So I, to me, that's been something really powerful because if that's our biggest connection and direct connection with God, that's my biggest connection with my kid that has a hard time with communication. So if I could say anything to empower anybody going through, through that and, and not sure and not being sure of what to go or, or where to go, or if they feel alone, I just empower you to really let go and to really not give up. I mean, just, we take Josiah everywhere. Um, he's a part of our lives and he goes on trips with us and, you know, we've had embarrassing moments and very interesting moments. Um, but we've given him the opportunity to really blossom and to really experience life and to grow and, and be flexible because that's another aspect of autism is most people have to be on a very strict schedule and, and they're not as flexible. But Josiah has really kind of embraced our lifestyle because working in the music industry or being a creative um, doesn't necessarily make you a super, we, we have crazy hours. So Josiah is really a, a huge part of that. And, and he's really just inspired us to take one day at a time and, and really embrace um, the little things. Um, so, you know, I, I love being his mom. I, I wouldn't give that up for anything. He's really the first priority in our lives. Mm, wow. 
So right now we're about to go to our last set of closing questions. And uh, just a moment ago, you mentioned that you're 30 years old. If you were to go back 10 years when you were 20 and you could talk to Alex then and give yourself some words of wisdom or advice, what would you tell yourself? Be more flexible. I feel like when I was 20, I was really just sometimes too uptight. Just to be more flexible, um, really believe in taking chances. I feel like as I get older, I'm more open to taking more chances. And I wish I would have done that from when I was 20. But you know, God knows why it happens at different stages in our lives. But yeah, definitely be flexible, be really open to things happening. And knowing, of course, you know, being smart about it and and using common sense and faith. And I feel like a mixture of things, God gives us different tools to make decisions, but really just being open. I think my husband has really taught me that he's a creative and he'll take risks. And so I feel like I wish I would have taken more risks when I was 20. So we went back 10 years. Uh, If we were to go forward 10 years, if today I gave you a piece of paper in which you could write to yourself 10 years from now, what would you like to tell yourself? What would you like to remind yourself at 40? Please make sure to get sleep. Sleep is something that you can't get back. (laughs) Um, And just to not give up your young soul. Like sometimes I have a hard time. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting old. But I, you know, really, I think that's a state of mind. So really just keeping current, um, trying to always learn something new. Never, I never want to feel like I know everything. So that's something really important. I don't feel that way, but I want to, I always consistently remind myself that first of all, it's okay not to know. And that means that that's an open door to learn. So I, always consistently um, knowing that. And I think when I'm 40, I hope that I remember to keep being patient with people because people are patient with me and to not stop helping others. Because sometimes I feel like as you get older and as experiences happen to you, you feel less tolerant and you feel less wanting to be available to others. And that's something that I always want to, I want to be available to people. Sometimes we feel like people take advantage of our time or, or our resources or who we are. And I don't want to lose that. I really want to always feel that drive to want to be a part of people's lives and invest in them. The last question, uh, when it's all said and done and Josiah, Gabriel, the world is reminiscing about who Alex was What would you like to leave as your legacy? I think that I really want to be known as somebody that was a connector. So if you needed something and maybe I didn't have the the way of helping you, that I was able to connect you to the right person or help you through something. And me and my husband, we have this um, thing where our house is always open and we like to embrace people and if Josiah remembers me and his dad for anything is that piece of being connectors and helping other people and just kind of having an open door and being a family that embraces others. And that's, that's what I want for my son. And I really want for Josiah just to, to be happy. Things come and go, money comes and goes, careers come and go. But what really is our essence is um, what we do for others and how we inspire others to have peace and have a really live a a complete life because there's so much stress in this world and so many expectations then how can we always continually be a a breath of fresh air I think that's that's something I I know that's like a lot but those are some of the things that popped to my mind 
That's beautiful. That's amazing. Uh, so, so there's people that are listening right now. Uh, maybe uh, there's young artists. Maybe there's uh, young entrepreneurs. Maybe there's a, a people that that what you said today really connected with them. Uh, and for those that probably want to stay connected with you, Adarga, and just everything you're doing, uh, what's the best way they can do that? Well, um, you can follow me on Instagram, um, Alexandria Davila. And also, um, you can check me out through Adarga Group Instagram. You'll always see information on there. And um, reach out to me. You can um, email me at alex at adargagroup.com. If you ever have a question or you need to reach me, that would be the best way to do so. Thanks again, Alex. Thanks for being a breath of fresh air. Thanks for also being uh, just just genuinely caring and um, just you know real with just your story. You've encouraged us. You've inspired us. And we are grateful to have had you with us today. Thank you for your time, Josh. Yeah, I don't really do this all the time. I'm always on the other end getting interviews and coordinating um, for my artists. So this is definitely different. So thank you for challenging me too. I really appreciate it. Powerful, powerful, powerful interview today with Alex Davila. As we conclude our time together today on the show, we leave you with a small sneak peek of our next episode with Disney animator Brad Sutton. And Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper to help you. And that's implement implement that in everything. Like if I'm angry on the freeway while I'm driving to work and I'm yelling at the windshield, God, help me to be calm and not drive like a maniac. Like, God, my coworker at work is really bugging me right now. Give me peace. Help me not get upset with them. Help me to learn to be more passionate, more loving, more gentle. All those things. So it's kind of relating those Holy Spirit make me awesome and the fruits of the Spirit. As you heard in that clip, next week's interview is going to be very, very interesting as we explore how faith, can impact the trajectory of your life, uh, be it work or, or everyday life. Uh, don't miss it. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to stay connected if you have any comments, feedback, or invitations for speaking engagements or would like to contact us for any other reason. We would love to hear from you. You can email me at live.com. Also, you can find me on Facebook as Joshua Galdas. And Instagram, we got a page for the show, an exclusive page just for the show, at Intersection Podcast. Be blessed. Let's keep building a legacy. Till next time, this is Joshua Galdas signing off. Grace and peace, friends.